martial arts versus practical self-defense techniques and analyzing techniques to ensure they're right for you if you ever need them. That's the topic of today's Coffee with Alan. I appreciate all of you that have been joining me and commenting and sharing both on the live videos, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, also on the website, the podcast, which is on the website and Spotify and Apple and all over the place. I appreciate all of you. So thank you very much. I'm here with a fancy, shiny Mickey cup this morning. Have a reflex protect tactical hoodie on this morning. It's a little chilly out there with Rocky. But today I want to talk about analyzing techniques and the difference between martial arts and practical self-defense techniques, because there is a difference. And, you know, I'm talking about this because recently Brian and I have been just going over some different things. One of the things we've been going over are some Krav Maga DVDs. So we take the DVDs into the gym and we watch stuff and then we play with the techniques that are taught on the DVDs. Some of them we really like. Others were like, hmm, there's a weakness here. You know, we're doing this knife defense, but instead of keeping the knife away, you know, this technique involves bringing it back into a dangerous area. Don't really like that. It was away from us. We could have finished it there. Instead of stopping and switching directions and bringing it back, you know, into across your center line where you have a lot of vital places. So we actually analyze these techniques and we discuss the strengths and weaknesses, what we like, what we don't like, how we would modify it or maybe not use it at all. How could it be used against somebody bigger or smaller? How could somebody smaller or bigger use it? And I think that's important for us, especially if you have a lifelong learning of the martial arts and combative arts, to be able to analyze things. Now, obviously, I've been studying this stuff for a long time. Brian has been with me for a long time up through black belt levels. We can analyze things much better than a novice. If you have never done anything and you pick up a DVD, you might not be able to see the different things that Brian or I, or somebody that's experienced, would be able to see. So it's really important for those of us teaching and in advanced levels to be able to do this and pick things apart and analyze the cons and the pluses of different techniques and what it's good for. I'm going to stop and say good morning to Dixon. Dixon says, you are very appreciative. I try to be. I am appreciate, appreciative of a lot of things. Appreciate, appreciate you showing up so often, Dixon, and commenting. As I appreciate Jay and Vicky being here. Good morning to both of you. And then this gets into the differences between martial arts and actual fighting. There are a lot of things done in classical and traditional martial arts that aren't necessary to be able to fight and defend yourself in an actual street fight encounter. But they have other purposes. And so I try to make that clear when I'm teaching, whether I'm teaching a self-defense or combatives class, a short class teaching people the bare basics to defend themselves, that's one thing. If I'm teaching a Hapkido martial art class or seminar, that's something different. When I'm teaching Hapkido, I teach the entire art 
that was taught to me by my instructors in South Korea. Not everything we do in that art is necessary to learn how to fight and defend yourself, but they have other pluses. They may work on your balance and agility, your mental discipline, you know, learning forms, having that discipline to learn the form. And it works on balance and coordination, even though some of the things in the form you would never do in an actual street fight. I mean, I've never gone into a classical front stance and done a reverse punch in any of the fights I've been in or the altercations I've had to deal with in security work and bouncing and bodyguard work. Never have used those, even though I've done them millions of times in the different martial art classes I've been in in the decades. It doesn't mean those are worthless to have been done, but they have different purposes. And so as instructors, we need to make sure that we emphasize and let our students understand what we are teaching. You can't tell them that this is a practical self-defense move if it's not. And I try to differentiate the art of Hapkido versus the practical self-defense skills. And Hapkido has a lot of both. I mean, if you get my cane program, I teach very simple, practical techniques that if you have a cane, you could use to defend yourself if you needed to. I also teach some complicated, fancy techniques that look really cool in a martial art demonstration, but you would not do out on the street if you were attacked and you were holding a cane. I'm not going to flip the cane up, grab the wrist, spin underneath down to my knee and flip that guy through the air. He's not going to flip like that unless he's a trained martial artist. And I said, that looks really cool in the demonstrations, but it's not a practical street technique when there are much simpler, easier and effective things to do to defend yourself. But I teach both because I want to teach the art of Hapkido for martial artists like myself. But I also teach safety, self-defense, and effective techniques that people can use on the street. And I try to differentiate those in the classes that I do. When I'm teaching an active shooter response or a self-defense only, not going to teach any of that fancy, difficult stuff. Teaching a martial art of Hapkido, I'm going to teach it all. Even the techniques I don't like, I'm going to teach them because... I'm teaching the entire art that I learned from my instructors. And I don't feel it's my place to cherry pick and start throwing things out. I will let my students know what I like, what I don't like, pluses and minuses that I see, but will let them determine for themselves as they advance through the ranks what will be best for them. And if they go on to teach, I want them to be able to teach the entire system. If they're only using it for personal development, I want them to be developed as great as I can help them go. If they're wanting to use it for personal defense, they can cherry pick the best things for them and I'll help them do that. That makes sense? I hope so. And so back to analyzing techniques. Even if you are a novice and you haven't done as much as, you know, like Brian and I, when we're really critiquing and going through different things, I want you to be able to analyze and understand the mechanics of what you're doing, 
the principles behind what you're doing and ensure that it's something you can do. I mean, there are techniques that are more difficult depending on your size and stature. And so you need to make sure that you're learning things that suit you the best. I mean, if you're tall with long legs, long limbs, you may be able to pull off that Taekwondo kick to the head and different things. But if you're short and stout, you're not doing those Taekwondo kicks to a guy's head, but you might be awesome at moving in and doing some judo or wrestling and grappling. I mean, you got to fit, you know, fit something to what you do personally as well, especially if you're trying to learn something to defend yourself on the street and you can't get fooled into a false sense of security, believing that some of the very complicated things that you may learn in class are going to work on the street without you mastering them and perfecting them. And even then it might be difficult. I'm pretty good at joint locks. I've been studying them for years. I've done a number of programs and seminars on them. I teach them consistently because they're a huge part of Hapkido. I have used them in real situations where I was bouncing or security or something, situations like that. I mean, I've used them to take people outside. I've used them to put people on the ground. But that doesn't mean every joint lock that I have learned and every joint lock that I have taught is one that I have used in real life or that I would even try to use in real life. I do have my favorites that I sort of go to over and over when I've been in real situations. You'll find your favorites and the ones that you're best at as well through training and analyzing what you're learning and understanding the principles underneath the techniques. Those are extremely important to be able to understand and analyze and then apply. Dixon says, no fancy flip, but every joint in the arm, wrist, elbow, and shoulder are completely shredded. And that's true. When you do some of the techniques in a demonstration where you see the partners flip, or in the movie where you know people are flipping in this way and that way and spinning, people don't naturally fall that way. You know, when you watch a John Wick movie or something like that, those of us that are experienced in the martial arts and, and such, we're looking at the way people fall and do things. And it's like they are making the hero look good because regular people don't fall and flip that way. Regular people go down in a heap with broken arms, broken li ripped ligaments and so forth, like Dixon just said. With At the same time, there are still some of the real fancy techniques that unless you are extremely experienced and good at them and the opportunity is given to you by the opponent, I would avoid those techniques and do something more simple and effective. But again, that comes up to your level and how you've analyzed things, how much you've trained, how much you've practiced, and the opponent that you might be going against. You might have a favorite technique, but if they don't provide the opening to use that technique, you're going to have to do something else. And if something you're trying to do doesn't work, you better be quick enough to switch and do something different. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that this morning because Brian and I have been doing some things and we had a good discussion about a couple techniques the other night that we liked a couple of them and then a couple we just did not like and we pointed out the reasons why we didn't and the dangers of that technique. If you actually tried to do that against a live blade, why would you bring that knife back in the dangerous zone? 
rather than keeping it away from you once it was there. Because I don't care if a person is a trained knife fighter or he's just some bozo slashing away. You get cut, you're cut. And so we want to do everything we can to prevent that. And so that's what we were enjoying doing and practicing and analyzing things and modifying things. And I hope you do that with your training as well. Especially the more advanced you get, the more you should be doing that. I hope you have a terrific Thursday, a tremendous Thursday, and that that was this was a little thought-provoking if you're a martial artist or a practitioner of self-defense techniques. I will see you tomorrow, and we're going to talk a little bit about being exceptional and what kind of person we want to be when people see us on social media and other places. Until then, make it a terrific Thursday.